Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The presenting sponsor of this episode of Can We Please Talk is Kidcaster. Let me ask you a question out there, listeners. How many times have you listened to Nick and I speak on a topic or have a guest on and you say, I could do that. I could be a guest on a podcast or I could even host my own podcast. And did you know that podcasts are a great way to grow your own personal and business brand voice? We all want to feel connected to brands we buy from. And what better way to humanize a brand than through sharing your story on a podcast? You can do that now with Kidcaster. It's a podcast booking agency that specializes in developing real human connections through podcast appearances. So if you're an expert in your field, you've got a unique story to share or an interesting point of view, it's time to explore the world of podcasting with Kidcaster. You can expect a completely customized concierge service from their staff of communication experts. I've worked with them in the past. We booked guests through Kitcaster. Thank you and shout out to Mallory and the team out there for helping us. Kitcaster is a secret weapon in podcasting for business, folks. I'm telling you right now, and your audience is out there. They're waiting to hear from you. So what are you waiting for? All you got to do right now is go to kitcaster.com backslash CWPT, the initials of this program, to apply for a special offer for friends of this show. If you don't feel like typing in that URL and you're in our show notes right now, you can click on the link and it takes you right there. Fill out that form and get started with the good folks over at Kitcaster today. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Can We Please Talk Podcast. I am Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Saveri. On the program today, Nick, the earth is melting, man. I mean, it's hot out there. It is. What's up, Mike? I don't know what you're talking about. How dare you? It is. Europe is under massive heat waves. You're seeing fires uh, in Spain, Portugal, Greece. Uh, We're seeing massive heat waves here in Texas, Florida. There's like a cone of 
of heat waves that are happening all across the globe. Climate change is really affecting this planet. And the chickens have come home to roost. Nick and I with a little bit on that uh, in the program. Later on as well, uh, Democratic strategist, she's a Fox News contributor. She's the host of the Leslie Marshall Show. You can check out on lesliemarshallshow.com. Leslie Marshall, aforementioned, will be on the program with us. We're going to talk a little bit about a bunch of different news that has broken recently. The Electoral Count Act with some bipartisan potential legislation coming there. Uh, some January 6th stuff, some midterms and the Supreme Court's summer to remember. Uh, first, I say hello to Nick Savary. Before we get into our first segment, how are you doing, buddy? How's everything going your way? Good. I mean, it's funny you mentioned heat because that's the big thing here. It's just trying to stay cool. I've We've seen cases of, um, I was talking to someone today at a call, a call center for something for like banking, whatever. And their internet was disrupted. Like she was trying to get stuff on her computer and was running slow. Person I was talking to for work was noticing slowness on their computer. And it's like, yeah, like it's humid, like electronics, things that run outdoors in the form of wires and such, you're going to see a disruption. So yeah, I mean, aside from that, it's good. I'm a couple of days away from getting, you know, my big trip coming up for work. Um, but aside, we're good. How are you all doing? Yeah, I'm good. I mean, you know, obviously, I, I tend to not bring the personal stuff on here, but uh, I want to shout out the folks at Nicholas Children's Hospital in Miami, my daughter, who has been in the hospital for the last couple of days, um, that developed RSV, you know, which is a respiratory infection, and she had COVID that she was getting over. But I want to thank the nurses and, and the doctors there on staff. You know, uh, I know your wife, obviously, is a doctor, and uh, we've talked about um, the importance of experts, right? in their fields, not only in, in the legal field, in the, in the news and politics field, but in the medical field. And I can't thank the medical professionals enough for all the work they do. You've been great. And your wife has been great with advice on what's, what's happening. And again, you know, uh, she'll be okay. But, but I just can't thank the people over there enough. And it's been, it's been a weird uh, last 10 couple of days here. Uh, the, the Leons have navigated, you know, I got COVID, which I mentioned on a show a few weeks back, lost like seven pounds. My wife ended up getting COVID and stuff like that. My, my oldest did not, but she has RSV as well. So it's, it's been a slew of, uh, of everybody getting sick and then passing it all to each other, which anybody who has kids lives in a house now in these COVID times, you know, you're, you're all staying home. You're all passing it back to one another. So We've been good, though. Uh, other than that, obviously, that is a major thing. But um, but let's get into the heat waves because I'm in Miami, Florida. It's 97 degrees out here earlier today. Uh, you were talking about coworkers of yours. I have a bunch of friends uh, through my job that that live out in the London area, and uh, because we have an office out there in London, 40 degrees Celsius out there uh, last week. If you don't know where we're talking about these massive heat waves that were happening all across the globe. Uh, the International Federation of Red Cross and the Red Crescent Societies were urging cities and communities to prepare to avoid for this further disaster that was happening. Europe has been among the fastest heat wave hotspots in the world. Forecasts showed no signs of abating. And there were many parts of Western Europe that were experiencing extreme temperatures. And even countries like Portugal, like I mentioned before, Greece as well, were battling raging wildfires and impacting thousands of people. Uh, take a listen to this summarized from the good folks over at NBC News. This morning, the UK also coping with unprecedented heat and dangerous consequences. Record-setting temperatures topping 104 degrees, fueling raging fires across London. This massive residential blaze forcing evacuations and taking firefighters hours to extinguish. 
One neighbor trying to stop the flames with a garden hose. The sweltering heat gripping a nation not equipped for extreme temperatures, catching many American tourists off guard. We're just going to suffer through it because we're here for two days. Train tracks buckling and runways melting, disrupting services across England. Millions suffering in a nation where most don't have air conditioning. But climate experts say this kind of scorching heat could become the norm. Going forward, we may well see this, this type of heat across the UK more and more common. So you heard a little bit there uh, from, from the uh, NBC News piece there about everything that was happening across the globe. Look, this is extreme heat. The UK Met Office issued its first ever red warning for extreme heat in England. That in England, excuse me. That means that they were indicating a danger to life because of the temperatures possibly rising to 43 degrees Celsius. If you don't know the conversion, that's probably about 110 degrees on the Fahrenheit scale. I mentioned uh, uh, obviously a little bit while ago about some coworkers similar to you on on a Zoom meeting, and all of a sudden they drop out because the power went out, right? Um, that's just a mild risk. But and like they mentioned in the piece there, air conditioning and central air and cooling is something that is not common in Europe. As somebody who has visited his uh, family members in Spain, I know that as I'm sweating and I was there during a massive heat wave that happened back in 2018. Um, the most immediate risk real quick for folks that are battling some of this, because the U.S. is going through some of this heat wave right now, where about 20 or uh, 25 cities will have over 100 degree temperatures over the weekend. Um, the most immediate risk are heat stroke and heat exhaustion, uh, particularly among older adults and people exercising or working in high temperatures. So obviously heat wave warnings have been issued across uh, different states and different countries. Um, Nick, climate change. We've dedicated an episode to this and we had a climate a reporter on from an, of my publication. And, you know, this is serious stuff. This affects all of us. This crosses over political lines. We should all be on the same page here because we all inhabit this planet. And so we are the biggest contributor to why some of these things are happening, right? Why the ice uh, is melting in Greenland at an alarming rate, you know, and the high temperatures globally and these wildfires that continue to spark because we have these extreme uh, weather instances across the globe now, right? You, and we're contributing to it. Your takeaways uh, when you're seeing some of this extreme heat and then the central issue, which is how do we stop this? Can't reverse it. There's no going back now. Climate scientists have said we're at a point of no return. I would argue we're already past that. So what now? What do we do now? What says Nick Zabera? Yeah, I mean, I go back to, you know, this year marks the, yeah, it's 2022. 10 years ago, Hurricane Sandy, um, you know, that ravaged New York, you know, um, at the time, you know, I lived in Long Island. Um, so, you know, I mean, access to the city was basically shut down for a week. Um, you know, our work was basically closed down, you know, downtown Manhattan, Brooklyn, you know, a lot of these areas just got hit just destroyed, we destroyed. You know, we saw the same thing, uh, the Jersey Shore. And one of the things that we remember about that storm was, you know, just how clear the predictions were for meteorologists. The idea of, you know, when you look at that, when you look at the temperature of the water and the pressure that, you know, a hurricane that generates a hurricane, one of the things that you have to remember about Hurricane Sandy is it occurred in October. Just think about this for a second. That's after Labor Day, obviously. At that point, you know, the water temperature shouldn't be warm enough to facilitate a storm of that magnitude. 
not too not too long ago. It was, I think it was something like this year, Mike. I may have sent it to you or not. There was a chart that sort of talked about hurricane season or these different tropical storms. And typically from about April through I think like August or so, you'd see these storms, like the frequency patterns of it. We started seeing storms of that magnitude. I just mentioned Sandy in October that were coming out of the, oh you know what it was a it was a hurricane that had run through or a tornado actually this was a tornado through, running through the midwest um i think the tornado that had tore through kentucky i think that had caused all kinds of damage and, and loss of life it happened off season though you know meteorologists remind us constantly that when you look at weather patterns there's just times of the year that these things are expected you know mike you live in florida you know specifically miami you know, hurricanes are part of part of the scenery sometimes. I, I try not to be light about this, but we understand tropical storms. That's a given. But when we start to pay attention to these things happening at different times of the year, that should be the alarming part because what's that te- what that is telling us is that water temperature is not where it's supposed to be. And that lends itself to the possibility of a storm like this happening. And obviously I'm not a meteorologist, but what I am what I am paying attention to is data, data and trends. The trends are telling us that these storms are happening more frequently more ferociously and happening at times that we don't expect. And all of that adds to a very important important trend, which is economically and loss of life. We're seeing an uptick in these. Not too long ago, I remember a conversation about, you know, when we don't address climate change from a political standpoint and a policy standpoint, you inevitably will deal with it from an economic one. So if we're not doing anything to address these storms and the causes of these storms, you're just going to see damage continue. And I'm thinking about Hurricane Katrina. And you asked before about, you know, what what can be done? Because the damage is done. And that's that's clear. You know, one of the first things I always come back to is, you know, asking yourself, um, you know, one of the commitments at a G7 was the idea of moving away from fossil fuel. And of those seven nations, you know, a few have already put pieces in place. At the time, you know, President Joe Biden had talked about by 2030, I think it was 2035 or 2040, you know, moving away from fossil fuel, at least making a seismic effort to get away from it. Well, that's not going to happen now. You know, recently with the Supreme Court's decisions about the EPA and making this really a state's you know matter. But in general, the first thing I always think about is just getting away from gasoline. You know, obviously economically is a benefit there, but immediately considering a push for hybrid cars, which we're seeing examples of. I think Ford is now exploring a um, a hybrid or a all electric F one fifty. I believe. you're seeing examples of this. I mean, we saw this with the, with the, the Prius from way back when. Um, Tesla, you know, there are so many efforts to try to get a incentive out there to go the direction of reducing gas consumption. Um, as a homeowner, we're trying to go solar. You know, trying to move away, you know, from the from the electric grid. You know, trying to harness the power of the sun, which, is, as we now know, is getting more and more ferocious. Actually, um, I think about just changes you can make in your home. You know how to be more, how to be more cognizant of of what's going on. Um, those are the one. I mean, those are the things that come to me that come to me most, obviously. Um, but yeah, I I mean, the UK folks, <laughs> Britain is known for you know rain. stormy clouds and right. rain, and you know it's like every every time you've ever seen you know England featured in a film, right? It's always like it's Sherlock Holmes. It's you know it's grungy. It's dark. It's like you know, I'm thinking about it. it's like Seattle weather. It's like it's rainy, basically. Thank you. Cloudy. Yeah. Right. What you don't hear is temperatures like India, 
Like that's, I mean, that's where we're talking right now. And as a person who's, who's visited India a few times, you know, triple digits isn't a foreign concept. It certainly is to a country as northernmost as um, historically known for not having this kind of weather as Great Britain is. And that's something we should be paying attention to. Listen, scorching temperatures. Uh, if you saw that there were flights that were halted, I forget what airport it may have been Heathrow because of the asphalt melting or if if it's asphalt. I don't know if it's, you know, what, what they use there for. Their runway roads, but they had to halt a bunch of flights. Record temperatures were warping metal rails, setting train tracks on fire. If you saw that video uh, in Zamora in, in in Spain, there was a train that was going from Madrid to Ferro, and it literally outside you see people filming the the area around the train starting to light on fire, um, and it had to temporarily stop because a bright red wildfire was raging right near the tracks and then service was suspended not sure how those folks got off of the train and and what happened there but listen climate scientists have said not only is this scary but this could just be the beginning heat waves are now the new baseline uh if you want to really impact climate change do me a favor we put this on our show notes and we have also put this uh on our social media handles today but choose climate action you can head over to choose.today, find out how you can help, you know, in this in this climate change fight. All right. It's climate action for everyone. So head over to choose.today. You can click on the link also in our show notes if you're listening to us on whatever audio podcast platform. When we come back after the break, I teased her at the beginning. We love her. Uh, she's one of our new favorites now. Leslie Marshall, Fox News contributor, Democratic strategist, and also the host of the Leslie Marshall Show. We're going to get into a bunch of different things happening across the news and politics space. Leslie, on the other side of the break. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today. That's geico.com. Nick, as always, our show is sponsored by the good folks at Bones Coffee. You go to bonescoffee.com, great tasting coffee at an affordable price. Come on, Nick, sell the people. Give them a, give them a quick elevator pitch sell on why they should get Bones Coffee. Folks, I, I, I say this almost every week on this show, right? Flavored coffee, oftentimes just the flavor doesn't show up bones gets this right it is it, when they roast their beans they are imbuing those beautiful flavors into it currently we are all about the maple bacon here at the Zaveri household uh we get it we get it freshly bagged we grind it here uh, it's just part of our daily routine i can't speak enough about it as mike said super affordable but just a huge library of flavors whatever you're into they got you the world's freshest small batch coffee bonescoffee.com there's sample packs on there you can join their coffee club you can even buy stuff in bundles but when you throw everything into that little shopping cart right at checkout there's a promo code box enter in one word can we please talk all one word you get 15% off your first order head to bonescoffee.com today all right Big fan of this guest. Uh, I mentioned to her off air. I'm going to bring it over here. She is a Democratic strategist and a Fox News contributor and the host of the Leslie Marshall Show. You can check her out 
lesliemarshallshow.com. And that is Leslie Marshall. Leslie, Mike Leon, Nick Savary, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with us. Thank you for having me, guys, and and for dealing with my 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 crazy schedule. We've uh, rescheduled a few times, and I'm really not that flaky. So I apologize. Glad to be here. <laughs> Leslie, no worries. N- no worries, no worries. I hope you enjoyed uh, the what your brother's wedding. I believe it was in in Hawaii yes, before. In Hawaii. If you saw the viral videos of some of these tidal waves taking out a wedding, a uh, good thing that that wedding happened weeks ago. Um, I wanted to get your take on something real quick. That that as we're recording this, just kind of broke. Uh, there's a deal that has been going on for months. And again, a deal, I'm using air quotes for those of us watching on YouTube, that's led by Republican Senator Susan Collins and, and Democratic Senator Joe Manchin about you know the Electoral Count Act. And I'm not sure if you heard about this, but there's talks right now, the bill's co-sponsored by nine Republicans, seven Democrats. Uh, and there's a bunch in the proposal about key provisions intended to promote an orderly transition of presidential power. Uh, It would make it harder for members of Congress to attempt to overturn an election by increasing the number of House and Senate members required to raise an objection. I want to get some of your takeaways on this because we're seeing some bipartisan nature legislation potentially, uh, depending on how it votes in the Senate and House, um, that that could stop what we're seeing play out with the January 6th committee and what happened back in uh, 2021. So give me some of your takeaways on on just hearing about this that, that came down as we're recording this. Well, a, a few things. Yes, yes, yes. I know about it. Uh, it's one of the few, as of late, if only things I agree with Joe Manchin on. And in addition to that, um, it's probably uh, you know other than like you know gun control legislation and, and infrastructure. I don't think most people are going to be affected personally in their households by a bipartisan. Uh, forthcoming semiconductor piece of legislation. But this piece of legislation is essential. This piece of legislation would impact and affect each and every American. I think what it shows is for all the poo-pooing on the right about the January 6th committee is that information that was watched or uh, listened to um, by our elected officials, even Republican elected officials, um, shows that Perhaps it was much worse than they thought. Perhaps we came much closer to losing our democracy. Um, and, and I and I think also they they saw that you know Mike Pence didn't just do the right thing. There are a number of things there. One, he, he did make a phone call and kind of looked at her. Then he lo- loopholes here. Is this so black and white? Are there gray areas? Can I get around this? And what if he had not? done the right thing. I think it's the what ifs, you know, for all of the uh, bravado, you know, by the right, especially those who, you know, still like uh, Lindsey Graham, you know, seem to still be kissing the butt of the former president. There are those that are concerned that their party is being hijacked. Um, I think they're all they're, they're also knowing there's an announcement coming by Donald Trump if he's going to run again. And many of us know that on the Hill behind closed doors, the majority of Republicans don't want him to run, don't want him to be the nominee, don't want him to be president again, are horrified about what happened by January 6th, but they don't want to lose their jobs and their constituencies. So they don't say that they shut their mouth, they're spineless uh, when they've got a microphone and a camera in front of them. Um, so I, I, I think this is a, it's very significant that you have so many Republicans on this. Um, and that this is happening and the timing of this as uh, today will be concluding or tomorrow, excuse me, will be concluding 
uh, the January 6th uh, committee's findings. Well, let's transition to that because you, you fed perfectly into the segue for the next question. Um, up to this point, since we're recording before the two key witnesses that will testify tomorrow in front of the committee, they've already testified, obviously, with depositions that were recorded. Um, give me some of your takeaways so far in these seven hearings. You know, we've had a couple different people on from different outlets that are covering this, former officials that have worked in different administrations. But um, what are some of your major takeaways right now as you see this starting, this timeline starting to unfold as you're seeing more pieces of evidence that are introduced into former President Trump's actions that day, which is the focus of the next uh, hearing? What, what are some th- DOJ as well kind of sitting on their hands with a few things and having a bunch of legal scholars up in arms? Uh, what are some of your takeaways as to everything that's happened so far with the committee? Uh, yeah, I have so, so many takeaways from first, why does the Department of Justice need to have the January 6th committee doing their research for them uh, to this was essential. And, and I say this was essential because and I know some people roll their eyes, uh, laugh or, you know, think that uh, you know, totally will outright disagree with me on this. This committee was not there to help Democrats lose less seats in the midterms in November. And I know many people think that, but certainly Adam Kinzinger, uh, Liz Cheney, they are not, you know, caring about, they're still voting with their party, uh, you know, on the side. Um, They're caring about truth and the, the truth be put forth and that the American people know the truth. And I think they the American people need to know the truth. And I am one of those American people because what these, what these hearings did, I feel is almost like, you know, Darwin's missing link. These showed the missing link. These showed the, the loopholes. These showed what we didn't see on camera. These, this showed the, the, the complete story rather than just a soundbite this put everything into context. And I think what it did show polls show this that we were very close to losing our democracy. This was certainly not tourism. There were certainly weapons. I think very, very powerful when you have people that worked in the Trump White House were in the room and shared their first you know, hand eyewitness account of what was happening and what he was doing or more so what he was not doing. I think a former Proud Boy sitting there and talking about the intent of this group, which he said is clearly a militia that he heard denying the Holocaust, uh, talking about you know uh, weapons. Look, I'm not trying to liken the Proud Boys to the Taliban, but what happened? What happened with the Taliban? Right? What happened with the Taliban? They're a small group of thugs with weapons who overthrew a government and now control a country. That could have happened here. I'm not saying, again, they're the Taliban or like the Taliban, but they and some others are a group of thugs who had weapons who were over, who were going to you know, try and put their guy in power. And then what happens when they don't like their guy anymore? They overthrow him and they take over the power that that could put us on par with a third world nation that we've seen happen in real time in this day and age in you know, our lifetime, you know, not not, you know, in our history books. Uh, Also, I I think just looking at the polls, you know, people said, oh, I'm not going to watch it. Two thirds of people aren't going to watch it. And then we saw the numbers come out after the first airing of of this committee, of these hearings. And what what did we see? That's not true. Kind of reminds me of people that say, I'm never going to watch you on TV again. And for months, they're still talking about my appearances on TV. So obviously, they're still watching me on TV again. 
Um, and, and in addition to that, you're also seeing some movement when you look at the polls, a lot of movement when it comes to pull away from Donald Trump and in some races pulling away from more extreme Trump-backed candidates. So I think a lot has come out of it. I know for me as a voter and an American, and I, and I think as the polls are showing, uh, for a lot of Americans out there, obviously there are people who hate Trump and it didn't matter what came out in these, you know, they, they're not going to vote for him and they're going to vote, you know, for a Democrat, they're going to vote for Joe Biden again. And there are those that are going to vote for Donald Trump. It really doesn't matter. Like he said, if he went out on Madison Avenue and shot somebody, right. Um, but I, I think there are those that, that think like a Susan Collins Republican that, uh, yeah, I don't want this happening to my party or my country again. Leslie, it's okay. Uh, you don't have to necessarily draw the conclusion uh, between the Taliban and the Proud Boys. I'll do it. Um, they seem Taliban adjacent. <laughs> uh, right. I, I can't speak for you both. But yeah, I, as a tourist myself, I've never had to go through the windows of a building. I usually go through the door and usually don't have a reasoning to be maced. Um, on the subject of candidates, you know, thinking about midterms, you know, Leslie, over the last couple of over recently last month or so, you know, we've seen Supreme Court decisions coming down as it relates to abortion rights and gun rights as a as a political strategist, just it, with candidates, you know, with Democrat candidates right now. What seems to be the rallying cry? Because prior to these decisions, you know, a lot of data was telling us that this seemed to be leaning toward Republicans regaining the House um, or at least you know, securing more potentially more seats in the Senate. But just what's your temperature taking you know, from the recent decisions and what seems to be coming up on the campaigns now for Democrats? I'm very surprised as a woman and a Democrat that overturning Roe v. Wade wouldn't have had more outcry. I'm hoping and praying that I will see a difference in, in the midterms. I have a lot to say in this, and I don't want to take your entire life on this. So let uh, Oh, please once, do so. I'm here has, for this. Okay. Historically, and now is no exception, James Carville in 92 was right, it's the economy stupid. It still is. And it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican. What Americans feel and what Americans perceive versus reality is what they base their votes on. So even though gas prices are coming down, even though we're seeing strong labor reports and you know the job market is stronger and unemployment is still at an all-time low, what they're seeing is, oh, inflation is still 9.1%. And uh, they're and, and they're seeing headlines, you know, that a recession is coming, inflation is high, gas prices still aren't low enough. I'm still getting my Amazon Prime in two days, wah, instead of one. So what 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 I say, you know, to the campaigns that I work on, is you have to impress upon these people how this it affects their, their lives and the positives, because everybody talks about the liberal media. Well, it's it, it's interesting. If it really was the liberal media, Americans wouldn't feel doom and gloom and that a recession is coming and that, oh, God, you know, inflation and, and Joe Biden's ratings wouldn't be what they are. And I'm not blaming the media, but I'm saying if it truly were the liberal media, then this would be, you know, these numbers, you know, would not be out there. Um, and of course, you're going to blame the party in power. You know, we all blame the party in power. It doesn't matter if it's my party, you know, or, or another party. But you can't just go on issues when you're in border states and immigration matters more to them than Roe v. Wade, right? Uh, you know, in places like you, you know, Uvalde, in places like Buffalo, gun control has jumped so much because of the personal experience and the personal loss. So you really can't just come up with a one size fits all. You have to look at each district, each state. Now, in states where you have 
women that um, are pro-choice. They may vote Republican. They're not Trump Republicans. Well, then you want to hammer that Roe v. Wade being overturned in a home, but the economy is still uh, number one. And it's not just number one. It's almost like one through 10 when you compare that to Roe v. Wade, even uh, among Democrats. So yes, uh, gun, you know, what's happening with guns and what Republicans are not willing to do with guns and what's happening in red states or states that are controlled by uh, Republicans with guns uh, and uh, regarding uh, abortion is it, it, just mind blowing. It, it's 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 almost unbelievable that, that this is truly happening. I, I sometimes am are you kidding me? You want to force a 10 year old victim of rape to have their rapist baby. I can't even, you know, being that I've been raped, being that I've given birth and not to a rapist child, um, I I can't even imagine as a, a grown woman, I've lived with that. As a grown woman, how difficult it is to give birth, what that does to you physically, mentally, and emotionally. I cannot uh, imagine. And knowing people that have given children up for adoption, I, I just can't even fathom um, uh, but I digress back, you know, back to it. They've got to Republicans are doing very, very well with messaging. Um, it, if you notice, you know, they get right after Uvalde, they get right back on immigration. Right. And so, you know, re- Republicans have a lot of um, ammunition against Democrats when it comes to the economy and immigration and, and Democrats have to do better. And talking about not having Joe Biden run in 2024 is not the winning strategy. Looking at the midterms, how do you get more people out to vote? Because historically, Republicans come out in much higher numbers than Democrats for the midterms. I don't, you know, I I didn't think that Roe v. Wade was going to keep the House uh, for Democrats. Um, Seeing falling gas prices, you know, a lot's going to have to happen. You know, between now and November is a blink of an eye or a lifetime, depending on how you look at it. But a lot would have to happen for Democrats to be able to retain the House. I do think they'll be able to retain the Senate. Um, but I, you know, I, I, we don't live in a we don't live in a fantasy world. I mean, this is reality, and the numbers are real, and the voters' sentiments are real. And, and what I'm hearing is, uh, and, and you also have to remember the most outrage are typically from women in states like mine, California, that aren't going to lose their rights. The fear is, it, look, I know in my own circles personally. And Democratic circles, and I have tons of friends that aren't Democrats, and I even have friends that like Trump. They're not the cray-cray like Trump people, but they, you know, do like Trump for other reasons. Uh, uh, you know, so this is not, oh, I sit down in my living room with just Democratic, you know, pro-choice women, and we talk about how can we help people get abortions. But when I have conversations with women, you know, it, it, before this happened, I myself did not believe the Supreme Court would ever do this. I really didn't. I really didn't. Um, and a lot of people I know felt that way. And I think there's some of that same denial when it comes to same sex marriage, which we're seeing is coming up on the horizon pretty quick. And I'm not sure if they're going to wake up to the fact that they could do that with interracial relationships, with contraception, with traveling out of state to get an abortion. You know what I mean? So I, I think sadly, we are a reactive votership in the United States and Democrats, especially, and not a proactive and preventative votership. And the other thing is stop the damn marching, start writing checks and voting. We're incredible at marching, but if all those people that march don't come out to vote and we know by the numbers they don't, it doesn't make, can I say damn? I just did a damn bit of difference. Leslie, sounds like you've been listening to the show because- uh, Yeah, I I shake my head and like, 
pray, you know, prayer hands here because you know, Mike and I, in a recent episode, talked about young voters. We talked about what polling data is telling us and um, and Hispanics. You know, this, yeah. And there's this conversation that keeps coming up about you know social media activism. There's not a question here. Sorry, but I did have to share the strategies here. But um, social media activism does make a difference. Um, even money. I mean, I think about you know Jamie Harrison's campaign you know, recently, um, but voting that that's, you know, if for listeners, if you get anything else here with a strategist on our panel, get out and vote. Yep. No, absolutely. I mean, I love AOC and I understand what they're trying to do, but getting arrested on the steps, you know, of the Capitol or, you know, in the middle of a street in DC, not doing anything. And you guys make the laws, you have the power, go in and do your job, make the laws and use your power and then use your power in the States where women are going to lose those rights to pump money into elections where it's possible to keep a seat blue or flip a seat blue uh, and get people out to vote. Well, it seems to be easier to get arrested like Cori Bush than it is actually, you know, legislate to actually do your job and support your district. That's always been something I've never understood about our newer Democrats. Yeah. Well, you know, yesterday I was on um, a podcast and Trey Gowdy was on uh, uh, the podcast with me. And I I can't believe that yesterday. I think I agreed with him twice and in one podcast and and I had not been and I had not been drinking. And I told him uh, he said, actually, that when he was in Congress, you know, it, it, it was about how you voted. But now it's about how many likes you have on TikTok. That, well is, that, that is very well said. We've also had a chief of staff kind of echo something similar. Adam Kinzinger's chief of staff was on recently. Um, I, you, you fed into a bunch there. I wanted to follow up on something because uh, last year around this time, the Supreme Court levied, uh, and, and I believe in three landmark rulings, one with the college athletics and then another one with, I forget the other two rulings, but this summer to remember for the Supreme Court as, as I'm uh, tagging it that, and if a sponsor wants to pay for that happily, we'll accept that money. Um, the Supreme Court, ruled on Roe v. Wade, sending right abortion rights back to the states. There was that controversial New York uh, gun case that they ruled on. They rendered the EPA uh, basically and other federal agencies, um, regardless, you know, regardless of what they stand for. Uh, see you later. You have no authority to do anything anymore. Uh, then they threw some bones with the remain in Mexico policy to the Biden administration. W- what do you make of the, the makeup of the Supreme Court's rulings over this last three to four months. I know you touched a little bit and thank you for sharing that personal story. I'm sorry that that happened to you, Leslie, about um, Roe v. Wade. But um, what do you make of some of the other rulings in some of these cases, some that affect climate, gun control, immigration, like you said, they've, they've been touching on a bunch of different things that will affect either legislatively, you know, in the fall, whenever the makeup of what the House and Senate look like, um, they're going to make, you know, for a lot of different things that are going to happen legislatively over the next six to 12 months, maybe even up up until 2024. What do you make of of some of these Supreme Court rulings that have come down over the last couple of months? Well, I mean, they're terrible and they're just laying the groundwork for a nation. And I, I look, I'm a central I'm a centrist, moderate Democrat. So I don't say this as, quote, a progressive but I am progressive in the sense I used to love when Barack Obama said, you know, you put the car in drive, not in reverse, and D for Democrat, R for Republican. But I mean, the, these, I have never in my life, I'm not that old, but maybe I am, I've never in my life seen a court that is so blatantly not truly acting in a judicial manner um solely but rather 
showing the political party they're pandering to. I, I just have never in my life. There is a reason Lady Justice is blindfolded. And they have taken the blindfold off. I mean, you know, whether it's some of the comments Clarence Thomas has made stopping short of one privacy provision, uh, you know, that has been passed tied to the uh, uh, tied to privacy provision provision, um, that the Supreme Court ruled with regard to something that would affect him, which is interracial marriage. I'm an interracial marriage. I'm married to an Indian guy, brown guy. So, um, you know, I mean, I just I I mean, could you be more blatantly (laughs) obvious, which is basically like, you know, you don't get rights. You don't get rights. You don't get. Oh, yeah. But don't touch mine. And then his wife and the connections, Ginny Thomas, and her support of not just Trump of uh, January 6th, and, you know, we still don't know everything there. I'm not sure we ever will. Um, You know, when people talk about pack the court, people talk about, you know, Democrats, you know, you know, crying and being snowflakes, but there are realities and facts. And the fact is, there were nine Supreme Court justices since 1869 But those nine Supreme Court justices um, are based on districts, House seats, population, which certainly has changed and grown since 1869. Um, And, you know, in in the United States, don't we want that court to be a proper representation of the nation that it makes rulings at the highest court of the land uh, based on? And when I say that, I mean, I just, I, I, I mean, are they, are, are they judges that are appointed or are they elected officials? Because I feel like they're acting like the latter uh, with these rulings. So when you see other countries moving forward, um, even Catholic countries with regard to abortion, Poland, Ireland, just two examples, I, I just, I, again, I, it boggles my mind um, you know, people are used to talk about Handmaid's Tale, and yeah, I like that show, but I used to oh, come on, folks. But aren't we, in a sense, becoming a country that is just, you know, it's a red state or a blue state? And if you live in a red state, you know, you can't get an abortion. But this isn't about just um, giving power to the states. I don't care how many times anybody says it, they're lying. This is about stopping abortions, which you really won't stop. I mean, before Roe v. Wade, there were abortions. There were just a lot more deaths and not safe uh, abortions, Um, especially if they're trying to touch upon women traveling or being able to order uh, the birth control pill uh, from another state or out of country or just at your own pharmacy uh, in that state. And, And what they're doing with physicians, we've just seen horrific things happen in the past weeks. Uh, Women bleeding, women having to carry a a dead dead fetus inside them when they've miscarried because the doctor can't legally perform a DNC to extract a dead fetus based on the state's law. I I mean, this is 2022. I mean, so are they going to take away my right to vote? Uh, are they, are they, you know, an, you know, a, a Native Americans going to, you know, you know, lose all the rights, you know, that they've had? You know, are we going to go back to internment camps like in World War? I mean, how, how far does this go? I, I really don't know how far this goes. So the rulings have all, to me, been very political. It is not supposed to be a political court. Um, I'm, in, I'm sad for my children and my children's children if things don't change. I'm sad for our country. And we're a leader in the world. And I don't think we're going to be a leader in the world People talk about leading from behind. Well, if you're going backwards, who wants to follow you?
awkward transition, but appropriate. You know, when we <laughs> think about, um, it's funny, we've had so many folks have come on, um, legal minds, strategists that sometimes apologizing for being doom and gloom. And the, fun, and the funny thing is we've had it for the past year. You know, we've had folks on that that said, like, look out for the court. Like these things are coming. And, um, you know, I'd like to know what their thoughts on the lottery are nowadays. But, you know, <laughs> when we think about leading from behind, um, it's inevitable we have to think about, you know, most recently, um, President Biden's trip to Saudi Arabia. You know, we think you mentioned just a moment ago about a country that is known for for what seems inhumane practices. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think of that recent trip and the recent meeting with the crown prince. Just from your vantage point, how would you assess that trip? What is it doing um, from a foreign policy standpoint? Um, and did, would you say as a strategist like that seemed like a bad look between fist bump and just meeting with the crown prince? Yeah, I know people really harped on that, but I have to agree with the foreign uh, head of foreign ministry in Saudi Arabia on this, which is, you know, people aren't looking at what really happened to the meeting. It's not, you know, that you know, some I had a boss once that told me it was about a co-worker, you know. Uh, he's a doily guy. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he goes, well, you go into a room, right? And, and there's going to be a wedding and there's a huge wedding cake. It's five, six tiers. It's beautiful. And then, you know, you always got one guy that goes, the doily's crooked. You know, the thing the Kate sits on, the little white paper <laughs> lace doily, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you know, don't be a doily guy. He's a doily guy. You know, we were talking about, and I, I never forget that. I never forget that imagery. And I really felt the fist bump was the, the doily. And that, you know, people weren't concentrating a lot. Look, Joe Biden set himself up. He said, I'm not going to shake his hand. Um, you know, you guys know because you broadcast and you have guests. I've interviewed horrendous people, Holocaust uh, deniers, um, Grand Wizard KKK, white Aryan resistance leaders. And I'm half Jewish. I mean, you know, I mean, neo-Nazis. I had and I did. I chose to treat them with the same respect I would treat anybody I agree with or like, because they're a guest in my house, if you will, right? When they're on the Leslie Marshall show, they're a guest in my house. Well, when you go to another nation, you know, because people always get bent out of shape when people bow or they do that. When you are in another nation, you have to follow the rules, regulations, and guidelines. It's the reason that when I, you know, are in certain places, you know, in Israel, if you're near holy sites, I have to cover my shoulders and my knees, right? That's it, right? Um, you have to cover your head in, in some Muslim countries, right? Um, if I'm in certain places, Saudi Arabia, I got to cover everything but the eyes. Been there, done that, and I do it because I am a guest in their house. Presidents, United States president, or any president, prime minister, king, queen, diplomat have protocol and diplomacy. You know, we have always sadly talked out of both sides of our mouth. On one side, it's like, oh, the terrible human, human rights abuses, you know, North Korea, China, um, Russia, Saudi Arabia. But on the other side, it's like, can you guys put more Coca-Cola factories over there? Because that would benefit us financially. Can we come up with this trade deal? So we know that. We need these people in partnership. Um, we need these people, you know, when it comes to, you know, trade and when it comes to, we want them to buy our stuff and there's things that we have from them that we need and that we want to buy. I don't think it was a successful trip because uh, the president didn't walk away with what he wanted with, with regard to oil. Um, the, the fist bump was a distraction, but he had to do something. Some people said it might have been better if he had just shaken his hand, but he couldn't because he had already put that out there. He wasn't going to do that. Uh, what's more important is what you know he says and what White House uh, sources say 
is that he's, you know, looked, looked him in the eye and, you know, when he said I had nothing to do with Khashoggi's death and I didn't, you know, call for that. And he said, you know, I don't believe you. I believe that you did, you know, and of course, Saudi Arabia sources and press say he didn't say that at all. And I'm thinking, what happened to the America I knew that actually believed, uh, you know, American journalists, our own White House, as opposed to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia's press people and and our president, you know, versus uh, the king uh, or prince of Saudi Arabia. Um, so I don't think it was very successful, uh, but I do think it continued to solidify the relationship. And we do have a relationship with Saudi Arabia. I also think, though, the big win for for Joe Biden fists aside was Israel, not Saudi Arabia. Um, it was the things he said regarding Israel. It was the mentions he made regarding Pakistan and, um, you know, showing Israel uh, and the world on a world stage that, um, you know, we are still strong allies and um, we've got their back. Um, and I say that because there are a lot of people on the right that would try to infer Otherwise, with not only Joe Biden, but anybody in my party and leadership. Leslie, uh, before we let you go, you've been fantastic. And thank you so much again for coming on the program. I, I wanted to ask you just on a personal level, um, you know, I'm a former Fox PA and writer over there. I was at the network for a few years from 04, 05 and 06. Um, we've had other Fox News contributors and hosts on the program. And I, and I live in this section of, you know, the recent ratings just came out about what Fox did over the last uh, couple of weeks, right? Averaging 1.4 million viewers and then 2.2 million in the primetime hours, you know, almost almost close to doubling what the second place network did. Um, where do you live in this uh, ecosystem of the audience you're talking to on Fox News and knowing that the majority of them, at least from different polling and things like that, tend to lean Republican and you're a Democrat, right? Like, how how aware are you of that, knowing that when you go on there, you're potentially talking to somebody that diametrically opposes everything uh, that you may say? And and why do you choose to because you've been with the network for a very long time? Why do you choose to go on that outlet and spread the Democratic message? Well, it's my job at Fox to present analysis uh, from a liberal point of view. Um, so that's what I do. Um, I call it just being honest, you know, it, it, it's, it's who I am. Um, you know, certainly there are people, you know, online, like, why don't you go to CNN or, you know, MSNBC, um, you know, whether it's at Fox, it's, uh, you know, I've spoken at things where, you know, there's 10 people and I'm the only person presenting, you know, the, you know, the liberal side. Um, I guess I've kind of been gotten used to being a, you know, a blue fish in a red bowl speaking to, you know, the, the audience. But, you, you know, you'd be surprised when you look at the breakdown of the numbers of, you know, Fox viewers. Um, I, I know a lot of people that watch Fox that are liberals. Honestly, I know people that are independents. I know people that are Republicans, but they're not, um, you know, extremely strong. They're not MAGA Republicans. I guess that's the, you know, the way, you know, they're differentiating now. Um, I, I think that one of the things that makes this nation, I know that one of the things that makes this nation great is, um, our freedom to disagree. And I think healthy discourse is healthy. I think healthy discourse is good. Um, you know, I'll have people sometimes say, you didn't change my mind. I'm not there to change anybody's mind. I'm just there to present, you know, my analysis from, you know, a liberal point of view. I'm very aware 
um, that uh, there are people out there who watch that don't agree with me. I get their tweets, their Facebook messages, their emails, their Instagram, and, you know, a LinkedIn comments. Um, and I'm very aware that, you know, sometimes I'm on a panel where people don't agree with me. Sometimes I'm on a panel where four people don't agree with me and I'm the <laughs> four to one. Um, but, you know, that, that, that's okay. You know, that, that, that's okay. It, it's, it's the way it's done. You know, if you are, and I don't care where you are, it, you know, even if you're in my living room, if you are having a conversation or a debate and you attack each other's arguments or issues, awesome. But I don't like when people attack each other. You know, I don't like when people attack each other. Some people do it. Um, some people don't. I, I, they don't really attack me. You know, I just I just don't like like I don't like when women attack women for their appearance. And, you know, I don't I don't care if you're, a, a, you know, a Democrat or a Republican. You know, people should, women shouldn't do that for crying out loud. It's one of the reasons we may have the majority of the population, but we don't have the majority of the power. Um, you know, we're our own worst enemy. Um, so, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm very aware of it. I'm very aware of, you know, what I do. I enjoy, uh, what I do and I've been very blessed. I know people, there are people, um, uh, I, I can't, I've had conversations. Okay. No, I, I think I could say this. Um, Jason Shavitz, when he was a congressman, I would literally throw my shoes at the TV sometimes when he would, you know, speak or, you know, and, I was in the green room at Fox and I was slated to be on with him. I was in New York. He walked in the green room and he, and he, he comes over and he's like, hi, I'm Jason Leslie, you know? And he said, so glad to be on with you today. And, you know, you're sitting there, like everybody says, uh, there's a, I saw a, a meme today that said your face when you're no longer on Twitter behind a keyboard, you know, and it was supposed to be actually a slam toward a, a, a Bernie loving guy from a Trump loving guy. Um, but in, in not saying that we don't believe what we say and we aren't who we portray on the air, we all are, we all are genuine. But um, just like a defense attorney and a prosecutor can argue in a courtroom and go out for a beer after, that is, I feel, you know, the atmosphere between not all, but most of my colleagues um, there. And so anyway, so I said uh, to Jason after we went on, you know, he was like, you know, really nice. And um, I said to him, God, I hated you. <laughs> you were a congressman. <laughs> and I said, but here, you know, you're not so bad. And um, anyway, uh, Jason and I are friends. I mean, I've met his wife. Uh, they invited me to dinner when they were in New York once. They live in Utah and I live in California. And there are people, I'm not going to start naming names, that I am in shock that I really enjoy some of which I've gotten to know very well sitting next to them on the couch at outnumbered before COVID when I was outnumbered on outnumbered a lot uh, on set in New York. And, you know, like you would never think, and I, like I said, I'm not going to name it. You never think of like Leslie Marshall and this person, you know, uh, are having lunch together, you know, um, and it does happen. Um, but you know, but you can disagree. You know, I, I know couples that that, you know, one's a Democrat, one's a Republican, you know, and somebody may sleep on the couch on Election Day, but, you know, but, you know, it, 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 
not only can it can it be done, it is done and it, and it should be done, not sleeping on the couch or people necessarily having to marry who are a different political, um, you know, ilks. It, it's just, um, I don't think any two people agree on 100% of anything. Um, and, and I'm going to flip that and say, and I think you can always find something that two people who disagree agree on. I agreed with Trey Gowdy twice yesterday. I told him that, you know, um, so yeah. Well, well said. And like I said, I, I live in that category too, as well as, as a former guy there, you know, just knowing the difference between what the news side of the, of the house does and the opinion side, I wish more of the American population would understand that uh, you can check out the Leslie Marshall show on Leslie Marshall show.com. I believe it's also available via podcast format. So wherever you get your podcast, she's a democratic strategist and a Fox news contributor. Check her out across a multitude of the Fox shows. Leslie, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast tonight. Truly appreciate it. Continued success to you and uh, stay safe. Oh, thank you. Thank you guys. I appreciate you having me. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. All right, our thank yous there to Leslie Marshall. Like I mentioned, Fox News contributor, Democratic strategist. You can check her out at leslymarshallshow.com. Check out her show, the interviews. Some of those things she told us too about the, the interviews that she's done with different people. Um, I was going to say of different walks of life, but I don't know if somebody that believes in the Aryan race being superior is a different walk of life. Uh, I'd say different check, species. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, check out, check out leslymarshallshow.com. You can check out all the clips of the interviews she's done, the appearances that she does. A um, lot to get to there, Nick. Uh, let's download some of it. Your, your takeaways, um, not only from you know, what Leslie's mission is on Fox in terms of being that democratic voice. I thought some of that was interesting. She told us some stuff off air. We're not going to share here, but uh, it would have been great for the Patreon. Um, tell me a little bit about um, your takeaways on some of the stuff that she touched on. We talked about the Supreme Court and their summer to remember here, almost like a car salesman event. Um, and then we talked about obviously uh, some of the stuff with with the where the January six hearings have have come up to to this point. That that thing that I talked about that just broke recently about this bipartisan uh, potential legislation to um, secure election integrity. Give me some of your takeaways from talking to Leslie. Yeah, I I think she she's just a really straightforward Democrat. And and it's important I say that because I think we, you know, we often have these conversations of, you know, like what side is that party on sometimes? Is it leaning too left? Is it a little too progressive, not enough action? Um, Or is it, you know, leaning to where it just doesn't seem like it cares, uh, you know, and it leans too moderate, I guess. Um, And she's very upfront about where the party is, what she's projecting out, Um, just extremely knowledgeable. And, but I think she just interwove, you know, reality to what, you know, what we're seeing play out going into November. I think one of the biggest things she brought up is, um, you know, when we talked about the Supreme Court cases and things that, you know, we've obviously been very passionate about on this show as it relates to guns and abortion, but she's very much about at the kitchen table, what's coming up the most more is gas prices, is inflation. You know, she, the immortal words of James Carville, she brought back to this show, it's the economy, stupid. 
you know, it was that case in 92. It's still the case now. And she, I thought that was a very important splash of cold water, you know, for as, as outrageous we should all be about women's reproductive rights now suddenly being handed back to states to make decision on. She's bringing up the fact that that may not be the key driver for voters. She also brought up that detail that the outrage she was expecting to see, she's not seeing it. And that does, that plays interestingly into what may be playing out this summer, getting ready for the midterms. Yeah. My major takeaway from there as we sign off here, uh, vote. She mentioned it. Not going to look, you ain't got to hear from Nick, myself. She mentioned it. Um, as always, if you want to see a video of our interview with Leslie, you can check out uh, on the YouTube channel, type in Can We Please Talk there, and you can see the video interview with Leslie Marshall, audio podcast platforms. You know them by now, but please, across Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, we're available. And if you can't, leave us a five-star review and comment. Please, shout out to our hosting platform, Acast. We can't do it without you. And shout out to all the listeners out there. We truly appreciate each and every one of you for listening to this program each week. As always, I am Mike Leon. Grateful as always to be on this show and looking forward to seeing you all in D.C. I'm Nick Saveri. Have a good one, everybody. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.